Hey, what's up? This is Matt Dietz, and this is None of My Business. This is the show where I get to sit down with creative and smart entrepreneurs who are in the middle of their story. No one is given a playbook at the beginning of their entrepreneurial journey. We all have to figure it out on our own. So I wanted to build a library of people who have done it or who are doing it to be able to grab inspiration from those who uh, we can learn from. So that's what this show is all about. Today, my guest is Zach Peterson, who is the founder of a number of companies, uh, Tattooed and Successful and Empire Fitness. And we had a great conversation about a number of things. Zach's story is is really interesting and fun. There are a number of things that I really enjoyed. The first thing is like he started his businesses in his really his later twenties, and you know when he started them, he had been collecting different experiences along the way that have helped him kind of get a head start with the businesses. So he went to college, he got a degree, he played sports in college, uh, and he worked a number of jobs out of school. You know, he did door-to-door sales, he worked sales for a supplement company, he did marketing, he did real estate, so he was collecting all of these experiences and all of this knowledge that has helped him be successful early on in his career. It's always fun for me to talk to athletes because they, I think, are wired differently. And so they come into running a business, seeing it through a different lens. You know, they've worked at, uh, they played and worked in a competitive atmosphere for years. They have had coaches, they have had teammates and all of that thing. All of those things really help you see things from a business standpoint a little bit differently. Like what kind of a leader do you want to be? What kind of coach did you respond to? What kind of coach did you not like? And how did you respond to a coach like that? You know, how did these things mold you into being the leader that you are today? You know, he came from a line of entrepreneurs. His dad and his grandfather both were entrepreneurs and very creative people. And so what did he learn growing up in a household like that? So how did all of these things set him up to be successful? So his story is really important. The other thing, too, with marketing and sales, I love talking marketing and sales, too. And he's done a great job building an online presence. And it's not easy. And, you know, it used to be back in the day, you know, maybe build a a web page and, you know, get a Facebook business page, but it's so much more detailed and uh, there's so much more that you have to learn with making sure your targeting is right and that your retargeting is right and things like that. So I asked him how he learned how to do that. So uh, let's just get on with the conversation. Thank you, Zach, for coming on. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'm excited for people to hear your story. Here we go. All right. Well, I am joined today with Zach Peterson, who is the founder and CEO of Tattooed and Successful and Empire Fitness. What's up, Zach? Howdy, sir. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for coming in. No, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, this is going to be fun. I'm excited to to tell your story. No doubt. All right. So let's. uh, how'd you get to Idaho? How'd you get to Boise? Where are you from? uh, I was born in a small town outside of, I say outside of Chicago. I don't even actually know how far outside of Chicago it is, Um, but it was called Peoria, Illinois. Um, didn't live there. Yeah. didn't live there long. I think I lived there like six months or so. My dad was out there opening a branch for Preco electronics, uh, grandfather's company and they moved back to Boise. And so I grew up in the North end in, um, in Boise and then moved to the bench in the early two thousands and grew up there. All right. So like you've been here your entire life minus six months, 30 and a half of 31. Nice. Yeah. Where'd you go to high school? 
Um, so I grew up in the Catholic school system, um, but left after seventh grade um, and went to uh, Lebois and then to Timberline High School. So okay. went to East Boise. Nice. Mm-hmm. And you were involved in athletics and sports. Yeah. We're yeah. going to get to that in a little bit. So I'm excited to hear. You For played sure. basketball Yep. and football? Uh, I played basketball growing up, and then I switched to football after college. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of a weird switch, but yeah. for basketball players, isn't as uncommon as, it, as you would think. Okay. All right. So tell me what you're doing today. So um, these days, I'm running an apparel company called Tattoo and Successful. Right. Um, then I have Empire Fitness, which is a new gym coming to the Treasure Valley. Um, we'll be open mid-August, we believe, of this year. Brand new gym, brand new facility. Um, I'm a dad. Um, and then I got a couple other little side hustles. So you're not, you're not that busy. No. Right? Yeah. Like tons of free time, still playing football, um, semi casually. Nice. Um, and then, yeah, pretty busy with those, the gym opening in, in the next couple months. Awesome. All right. So I got a bunch of stuff I want to talk to you about real quick. Let's start with, um, well, let's go back. I'll, we'll talk about sports after I like to kind of talk about what you did after high school right so you graduate from high school what do you do yeah graduated from high school and in under a week after graduating i had to report to summer school at college of southern idaho in lovely twin falls idaho yes Um, picturesque yeah i went there for basketball i did not have enough credits um nor was i big enough to go to the schools that i wanted to go to so me and my family decided that the juco route was the better route Mm -hmm. went down there a week after graduation Barely made it to Christmas, quit and came home, um, was burnt out, uh, didn't adjust to the college life very well. What um, part? Well, where'd you struggle? I think the hardest thing about being there was, um, I, <laughs> well, the biggest part was I didn't get along with the coach at all. Okay. But most, most everybody on the team didn't get along with the coach. My biggest issue is that I had probably gotten away with, not probably, I got away with way too much growing up in high school because I was really good at basketball. I got there. You didn't get away with anything anymore. And that was a really hard adjustment for me. I wasn't coachable. I didn't listen. um, And I was young and dumb. Yeah. And looking back, what do you you see looking back? You're like, damn, the coach. Yeah. I mean, was he right in a lot of instances? No. But that doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like there's you, a hierarchy. There's a hierarchy. You do as you're told, you do what the coach says and, and you be a student of the game. And I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't, yeah. um, I was there to score points and look cool. Yeah. Um, and so I came home and I was burnt out. Didn't know what I wanted to do. So I enrolled in Boise state and then I was going to be the preferred walk on at Boise state and then left there and ended up going up to North Idaho college. Um, and the reason I went there was I was able to get a release from my, um, scholarship at CSI so that I could actually stay in conference and I went and played for their rival. Okay. <laughs> that was pretty much my only goal was to get to go back and play against that coach. So And what was that game? How many times did you play? We played twice and we won at their place and lost at our place. How'd you play? Okay. Yeah. I, I was a like seventh, eighth man off our bench. We had three guards ahead of me that were all Americans. Oh wow. So that that junior college conference is insane we have 11 of the 12 guys go division one off of every team wow so it's it's really difficult and then from there i played one year there and then transferred and finished uh three more years at college of idaho all uh, right out in caldwell so you get your degree mm-hmm. what'd you study uh business nice 
But uh, C of I has that peak program, so you have to have one major and three minors. Okay. Yeah, it's wow. intense. Three minors. Yeah, it's do intense. You, do you remember what all three of them yeah, are? Yeah, I did exercise, science, psychology, and marketing. Oh, right on. Very good. Mm-hmm. All right, so you got this degree yeah. out of college. Yeah. What do you do then? Yeah, so this was, I graduated in 2014, and in 2014, there wasn't the availability of jobs like there is now. There wasn't the self-starting jobs. You couldn't. There wasn't as many entrepreneurial avenues as we have now, and mm-hmm. I think that's a lot based around technology. You totally. know, um, as well as there still was the same typical corporate lifestyle. We did. Uh, the other thing was in this valley, we just didn't have that many companies here to That's begin true. with. You know, this is pre uh, Intuit coming in, or what was that called? T Sheets before, uh-huh. and all these other tech companies that came here, and all these jobs, and all this housing jobs as well, which has created right. tremendous opportunities for youth out of high school or college to be assistants or real estate agents or brokerage agents or brokerage assistants, there's thousands of jobs in that industry that are, right. that are usually plucked from college athletes because they like that hustle. Right. Um, so th- there just wasn't much. Um, every place I interviewed did the, hey, you're applying for an entry-level position, but you need more experience. Well, how do I get more experience without getting an entry-level position? Right. So it, it, it kind of just went around in circles. And so I was able to actually lock on off of like, a, I believe it was a Craigslist ad. But I got a door-to-door sales job, which I thought was a real big like marketing job. And then I got there the first day, and we had to wear suits and ties uh-huh. for our morning meetings. And then we would change into like polos and golf shorts or golf pants and walk. And it was for CenturyLink and DirecTV. But they liked this sort of Wolf of Wall Street corporate play games type of camaraderie thing yeah. that was very strange in the mornings. Wolf of Wall Street minus the drugs. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and then it was, we'd go immediately and start doing door to door until, you know, sundown. Yeah. Um, and I, I stupidly did that from June, July, August, September. So right. I lost so much weight. You couldn't carry enough food or water. You'd end up getting a mile to mile and a half away from your vehicle. So then your food and water is stuck. And, and it's so, just heating up. In yeah. There. And I did low income housing too. So it was, it wasn't the best time when the sun is like this crushing ball of hate. Yeah. In Idaho. Yeah. August was not cool. Huh. Um, and, and I ended up walking away from that too, just cause it was just beating me up. You didn't make much money. And the time requirement was outrageous to the point where I couldn't even schedule interviews at other places because we were there at, 8 a.m. and we were done when the sun went down, which in the summer here is, you know, 8 p.m. Yeah, yeah. So there was no way I could even network. The hottest with part of the day is like five o'clock here. Yeah, and we couldn't network with anybody. You couldn't, because you want to hit people when they're home, and that's yeah. after five o'clock is your higher percentage time. I mean, door to door sales is it's the toughest, purest, you know, sales gig. You know, you've really got to get in there, and I'm sure you're given a script, and mm-hmm. it's did you have like a certain amount of signups that you were supposed to get. Were you hitting your numbers? Yeah, I was hitting my numbers. I think we had to knock like a hundred doors a day or something like that. Or maybe more. Yeah. I don't even remember. It was so long ago, but it was, did you learn anything from that? Yeah. The biggest thing I learned is the, the ability to reject the nose, right? You know, like that resiliency, because that was one of the things I was worst at in sports sure. is moving on to the next play. I carried every play with me throughout the game. I'd remember the first quarter mess up until the last quarter. And I carried that all the way through college. That was one of my biggest weaknesses Sure, um, is that ability to move on. I didn't have that like quarterback mentality where they talk about, you know, you got to move on to the next play. Short you can't be memory. thinking about that in, incompletion or whatever. I didn't have that. And that's what door to door taught me though. Yeah. Good. 
because you got you know 30 to 45 seconds before you have to knock again right and do it all over again and do it not only in sports you can just go harder or you can play smarter or whatever that you got to fake it again 30 right. seconds later throw with a smile, smile back on throw right? a smile back on become personable relate to them um get on their level about some sort of thing so you can get that conversation going and you had to just routinely yeah. do it all day every day and so that's what broke me of that no and that was the biggest lesson i learned during door to door yeah you gotta get smacked in the head a number of times <laughs> yeah <laughs> right yeah all right so from there i know you worked i mean you collected you know experience in a lot of different mm -hmm. places you know i know yeah. that you worked for muscle farm for yeah. a year or so yeah what was that like that was down in Den you moved to denver yeah like, what so was I, that like? I had a, a person here in boise hire me um because they had a sales office here in Boise at one time, and then they moved that to Denver, and so the job moved to Denver. So I got hired actually to work here in Boise. Okay. And then they moved the office, and so you know my family is from Denver. My family's from Denver and Detroit mostly. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so I, I took it. You know, I thought it would be a cool opportunity. I love the Broncos, love the Rockies. This is going to be really fun. Yeah, Denver's a cool town. Denver's a great town. I moved to the the home facility for Muscle Farm. We had like an Olympic category of a weight room it was amazing all kaiser equipment which was air compressed machines versus weight mm -hmm. it was really cool stuff we had turf we had indoor basketball court indoor ufc arena movie theater putting green it was awesome it was nice. like yeah it was like a fantasy factory if you guys remember that with rob deerdeck <laughs> um so it was super fun but it was uh you know an interesting industry it's a the supplement or fitness world in general but more the supplement side of it is slim margined products um, high volume high volume a lot of deceit a lot of you know a lot of these healthy products aren't that healthy or right. sourced that authentically kind i should say kg marketing yeah, right? yeah yeah it's in, it's a weird place to be and then the the shows are just out of control they are you know three to five day just ruthless escapades of you know out drinking till 3 a.m debauchery up, yeah up the next morning at 8 a.m working the show all day going out again the next night and you're doing it with suppliers and with ambassadors and all the people that you'd be sending your stuff to to be wearing it all year you got to wine and dine them all weekend and get them in the booth and take picture and so it's just it's crazy yeah. then you go back to the warehouse and it's I think it just kind of goes from one side of the business to the other and all the way through is this kind of fake bravado putting out that we're all doing really, really good and we look, because we look this way, sure. regardless of what our financials look like, or our sales tactics, or our products for that matter. Right. And so I think that kind of, it's just a weird industry and all. And so you were on the marketing side of that? Yeah, I was on the sales side, sales. actually. Sales, yeah. So yeah. I did inside sales there. So I was in charge of the entire East Coast um, and then the Midwest. Okay. Yep. Did you like it? You know what I did? I did like it for a time. I really enjoyed the sales process. I liked selling things. I liked helping people. Um, but I think I fell more in love with the grind and the continual reward of selling mm -hmm. there than I did actually of what we were doing. Like building something? Yeah, building a book of business and yeah. building that rapport with people and watching uh, the companies we would sell to. So I worked with like mom and pop shops. Mm -hmm. So like Jack's Nutrition here in Boise or those types of places. Those were who we sold to. I sold to like Anytime Fitness and those other bigger corporate things, but those mom and pops were who we worked with the most. And so it was cool getting to watch them get a product and then get it off their shelves and then come back and be happy with it or 
get them a new product and they like how it works for them. And, and so that, that's fun. There's a lot of rewarding yeah. things from that. Um, so I know for sales, one of the most crucial part of sales, obviously you have to learn how to take a no, you got to know your product really well. And mm-hmm. for, for me, it's, it's all about education, you know, teaching people, you know, finding out what they need and filling that gap, you know, with your product. Right. right. But one of the most important things is like really having belief in your product, right. you know? And so, you know, did you have like a hundred percent belief in, in your product? Yeah. I usually push the ones that I took. Yeah. You know, because it was a lot easier to relate to someone about something that I could, if they wanted my personal data of how it helped me gain this lift, or if they wanted my, you know, my expertise on the flavor or what the ingredients that are in it. Yeah. So I, I regularly pushed the products that I preferred. Yeah. Um, and that was because I, I knew that I could answer the questions coming back. Right. And maybe that was immature in my knowledge to not know all of them. Um, but I did what I knew to get the highest, to reap the highest reward for the company. And that was, that was a 24 year old. So once you build trust with, uh, someone that you're selling to, you know, one of the most powerful things that you can do is endorse, you know, the product that you use, you know, it's something that I do in my business where, um, there's some line of coverage or insurance and, you know, I built the trust with the clients. It's, you know, and especially if they ask you, like, what do you recommend? Yeah, yeah. And if I say something, you know, this is one that I personally use, you know, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, it really has a lot of clout. As long as the trust is built there, you yeah, know, they'll listen to you. And yeah, stuff. it resonates with them significantly more when you have that. Yeah. So what? Um, so you were there for a year. What led to your departure? Um, <laughs> we went through a really bad financial time as a company. Um, we just continued to our stock plummeted over the year I was there. Um, I think I was there at $12 a share and left at $2 a share. What'd you do? Yeah. Right. Um, (laughs) I did over a million dollars in sales and got paid about $32,000. So that was a big reason why I left because Denver is not cheap. It wasn't then it isn't now it was, I lived on the outskirts too and it, it was just really expensive place to live and there was nowhere I could go. Yeah. Um, we were cutting positions. Um, I had a lot of friends that were on the higher like executive place and they just, they were like, we can't even get you into our, like, we'd love to keep you and get you up. But the only place for you right now is that spot. Um, and with that salary and those conti- and those paychecks, I was able to come back to Boise and put a down payment on a home and move into that with my soon to become fiance at the time. There you go. So, you know, for my family, her family financially, I'd gotten the experience I wanted. I was able to move back. I already had a job secured when I moved back. It was just kind of a better move for me. Yeah. Well, you came back. You did some more supplement stuff. You did some more supplement stuff. You did some marketing. I think Mm -hmm. you jumped in the real estate world for a little while. And this is totally normal. I think a lot of people, you know, you're in your 20s at this point in time. Like I feel like that's the time in our life to experiment and Mm -hmm. to find out what fits us best and to try and find out what our real maybe what our passion is what we like to do and yeah all of this leads to what you're doing today you know what kind of things you know when you move back here and you worked you know a few other jobs you know where was your mind at where you're like i eventually want to run my own shop doing something but i don't know what it is yet you know what what were you going through as you moved home you know, kind of hopping from job to job because I did that for a while too. And I was like, I did a job here and I did a job there and then another job. And at some point in time, something kind of crossed over in me and I was like, you know what? I need a career 
is what I need, not just a job, you know? So, you know, walk me through what, what, when you move back here, what are some of the things that you did? Where was your mindset? And when did you kind of get to the place where you're like, I, it's time for me to kind of control my own destiny? Yeah. So real quickly, synopsis is really fast. Um, we, we, my girlfriend and I moved back. We got engaged. I worked at Rhino Rush, then a loan place, credit card processing place after that. Then a marketing position opened, and then I opened my own investment company. Then I worked for a real estate brokerage. <laughs> then I moved to Utah to play football, then moved back and did landscaping, and then jumped into full-time tattoo and successful. So there was a lot of jobs, a lot of life experiences, a lot of things that happened. Um, but I think, I think I always kind of thought I was going to end up working for my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandfather started a company here in Boise that my dad later bought from him. And, you know, it, it wasn't ever spoken about too much within our family, but it was kind of an always thought for outside our family and inside our family, outside of our immediate is that I would probably be the one that, yeah, that worked his way into there. And then eventually, took it over to some sort of extent. Um, in my head, that was what I was going to do. And so I really went to positions looking for ways to learn how I could translate those skills or those business practices there that I either learned or watched into the family business. Sure. Um, so really I was just trying to pull little things from everybody, you know, from the first place I worked, uh, doing the door to door. I learned a lot from my manager there about the putting a smile on in the nose. And then at muscle farm, I learned about a lot about product knowledge and about recall and about relatability. Um, same with the loans. The loans was about being able to get something that fit for people a lot like insurance. Yeah. Yeah. You're finding a product that fits them the best. Yeah. Um, so there was little pieces that I pulled from everywhere. Um, but, but I think when I was at the marketing position here in Boise, um, it was a small company, you know, I think we had like eight employees. And so I knew every, every department, what Mm -hmm. everybody was doing. And I think I just, I just didn't, I really didn't like how a lot of things were being done. (laughs) Um, to the point where like the, the, it was owned by a husband and wife. Um, and him and I would sit down and talk about like the business practices, what we needed to change to improve the bottom line, what we needed to change to improve our presence in the marketing space in Boise, what we needed to do on social media. Cause this was still really new ish mm-hmm. then. Um, not new ish, but Instagram wasn't near what it was. This is f- six years ago. So yeah. yeah. So we were doing all those types of things. And so I think going through those practices with him made me realize that like, shit, I can do this a lot better. Yeah. And I think a lot of that was arrogance and, again, the young thing. And, again, that translating from sports of getting away with too much and being too arrogant and not being coachable. And so I I was way out of my place um, with those thoughts, I think, then. But I think that's also what led me to have the confidence to start more than one company as a mid-20 kid. Yeah, yeah. All right. So before we jump into what you're doing today, I do want to talk about your time as being an athlete because I'm always – I'm always interested because I think sports is such a great way to learn so many different things about business or life or yourself and things like that. There's so many things that come from, uh, you know, playing on a team, trying, you know, you have common goals, you've got team goals, you have individual goals and all that stuff. So you played sports for a long time with a number of different teams. I want to talk about a little bit, you know, what kind of things did you learn while you were an athlete that has helped translate into your success as a business owner? Yeah. Um, I played basketball growing up 
middle school, high school, college, AAU. Um, and I think all through that, I, I really didn't listen or learn how, how I could have, or should have. I had a lot of, I had a few shitty coaches. Um, and I think those ruined a lot of my experiences. Um, but I was extremely thankful to my last year in college. I was able to get a really, really good college coach. He came from UCLA. His name was Scott Garson. Um, and he coached under Ben Howland there Mm -hmm. at UCLA and then came to college of Idaho. And I only had him for one year. Um, but he was just an incredible, incredible coach, incredible relator, incredible storyteller, motivator. And he just, he bought into the way I think everybody should be coached, whether that be in uh, business or sports. And he, he just, it was, it was about, it was about relating to each other. It was about family. It was about loving each other. Um, and it was, it was more about what we were off the court than what we were on the court. And I think a lot of, I don't know how he was after I left, but I think a lot of that was because we were such damaged goods. Yeah. <laughs> like when he got <laughs> us, a, we, the yeah. island of misfit toys. Yeah, right? exactly. We had just been through a lot with the previous coaches. A lot of us were Juco kids. So we went through a lot there. Yeah. And so he came in and just taught us so much about buying into each other that we could accomplish something nice. And I don't think I had had that lesson from any coach until then. A lot of it have just been the authoritative, you know, if there's bad things we run and if there's good things, we still probably run. Yeah. <laughs> and other than that, please listen to me, shut the hell up and run the place correctly. Well, let me ask you a question. How would you, how would you recommend a kid reacts or to, to someone who is, you know, in there, maybe they're in high school, maybe they're a senior in high school, maybe they're in college and they have a coach that they're not getting along with, but they have to play for them. Mm-hmm. You know, what advice would you give to a kid who's, who's in the middle of that right now? They're like, I got a coach. I don't get yeah. along with them. He's my coach. I can't change that. You know, I want to perform my best. I still want to win, but I, you know, what would you tell a kid who's in that situation? Yeah, those are tough. Um, I had an assistant coach do this with me and I took it all the way through college. It was at, it was at CSI at CSI. His name was Josh D's and we came up with three things every day, just three. And we didn't go longer than a day. We didn't go a week. We didn't go to the next month. We never went to the next game. It was just one day. It didn't matter if it was a shoot around before a game or if it was just a normal practice. And we just had three things that we knew we weren't good at that we were going to do better at today. Nice. Because the other shit, like if you're a shooter, you can shoot. You don't need to think about that you need to shoot the ball at practice that day. Like you already know how. Or if you're a ball handler, you already know what you're doing. If you're whatever it is, play quarterback for football, you know what you need to do. Now, is there three things that you're not good at? What are those three that you're going to get better at today? And simplifying it down to that was a really good thing for me. I'm a super high strung, want to do good all the time, want perfection. Um, And so having just really small, tangible things. Good. Yeah. Like measurable things that you can, yeah, and just to. having them be just so shortened down because we'd always talk about you know what's your ten year plan and your five year plan like what's your plan today yeah um, it's a uh, one of my best friends Marcus he's actually our operations guy for Tattooed and Successful he got it from McConaughey he says it in one of his books but he talks about like writing down everything I think it's in Green Lights actually but you, you write down everything you do in that day like yes. eating taking a shit looking outside, letting your dog out and those little things, if you can just accomplish all of those at the end of the day, you feel so much better. Yeah. And so applying that into sports and to practice, instead of putting practice in your calendar, put the three things during practice you're going to get better at or put them on your phone. A thing I did always was I would make them in notes. Mm-hmm. 
in Apple's little note folder. And then I'd screenshot that and then set it as my background. Yeah. I think that's so smart. Kind of auditing your whole day. Yeah, almost. exactly. Because I think we do a lot more in a, in a day than we give ourselves credit for. Yes. You know, cause so many things that we do are just straight up on automatic. You right. Know? And if you reflect, you're like, what did I do between nine and 10 mm-hmm. or 10 and 11? I've, I've done that with my team and I've done that with people who I think maybe are underperforming. And I'm like, why don't you write down and tell me everything that you did today? Mm-hmm. And they'll write it down. And, and sometimes they'll find like huge gaps of time where they're like, I don't even know what I did between yeah. one and two. And you're like, well, maybe we should talk about that. Right. Yeah. Be like, let's, let's try and figure out a way to be more, you know, mindful with our time and stuff yeah, like that. Exactly. So. Yeah. It helps, it helps productivity. It helps. The biggest thing it helped for me was making me feel better at the end of the day. And that led me to having a better next day and another better next day and a better next day. And those, you start tumbling those in, you become a lot better basketball player. The other thing I like about that too, is that I think sometimes we have goals and the goals, you know, the end result for those goals may take weeks or months or a year, you know, especially if you're in sales and you have sales goals and you're like, mm-hmm. our sales goal is like, we want to sell 800 policies yeah. this year. And that number sounds like a gorilla in the room. You're like, oh my God, 800. But if you break that down and you're like, that's three a day or something mm-hmm. like that, right? You know, can you get me three a day? And now all of a sudden it sounds so different than 800 right. in a year, you right. know? So I think just reframing it can kind of calm you down a little bit. And if you're writing it out, everything you're doing every day, did you get three today? No, why not? Well, because I dicked around from mm-hmm. two to four, you know, or something like that. Yeah. So I think that that's all. Yeah. Really it's smart. really easy to check yourself too on it. Yeah. Cause the calendar rolls by and now that red bar on your calendar is down here and there's three things above it that you're like, I'm going to do those things at 11, 11, 30 and 12. Shit. Right. I did not do those. And I know I didn't do them because they're right the hell there. Yeah. Versus if you're in your head and you're just like, I'm going to do this today. And then at the end of the day, you're like, wait, what didn't I do? Right. And then the next day goes and you're like, oh shit, now I got to get that in today. And so it just, well, it helps with every aspect. Yeah. I mean, you got to be disciplined. Mm-hmm. You got to have self-discipline. You got to be aware of what you're doing. You got to hold yourself accountable. Yeah. You know, all those things are really an important mix of success. I yeah. Think, so. And that goes into athletics perfectly. But yeah, that was probably the biggest one I learned. Nice. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about what you're doing today. How was Tattooed and Successful War? Why don't you tell me about the brand itself? Like, yeah. what do you guys stand for? What's What are you trying to achieve? You know, and then let's talk about how it was born and then maybe what, like, uh, the first year or two has been like. Yeah, so we are in year four. Um, we're really in, like, year one and a half of our second life. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> Because we started in 2018. I started Tattooing Successful with Jay Taylor, one of my best friends. He moved away about six months after we started it um, to South Carolina. And I moved away about five months after we started it to Salt Lake. Okay. And so the brand really went on the back burner for the next year and a half. Sure. Um, so we sold things. Uh, it became just a me thing about after a year. Um, and we didn't really do much until about 2020, right before <laughs> the coronavirus. Right. Um, but we were able to grow really, really well through all of that. Um, and then fast forward today, we've had triple digit growth for the last three years, um, building our own building. We'll have our own studio. Um, we'll be able to hire a few more people. We'll have a pop-up shop. We'll be able to have hours to sell out of. Um, so we really have grown tremendously. Um, but it, it started as, uh, we worked out together, Jay and I, and we, we were in the middle of both of us getting half sleeves at the time, which that was a long time ago, a lot of tattoos ago. But, um, our parents were giving us so much shit because I had just started an investment company and was getting into real estate and he owned a gym 
where he was in tank tops and t-shirts most of the day. Yeah. And they're like, there's no way you'll be able to achieve what you could have achieved. Not that you couldn't achieve something, but you're, you're limiting yourself. You're putting a ceiling. Yeah. You're, it. you're limiting yourself. You're capping yourself by marring your bodies. Um, and so we were, we always said like there was, there was just no reason that we couldn't achieve the highest levels of success regardless of what we looked like. Yeah. We've seen people do it with, all sorts of different ailments, whether it be things that happened from serving in the military that made it harder for them, things that happen to people mentally that make it harder for them, uh, sexist things that make it harder for people. And we didn't view tattoos as something that even remotely fell into like a challenge that we were going to have to right. overcome. And so we wanted to not really highlight people that were tattooed. We wanted to p people to have a sense of community, a sense of group that they could attach themselves to that empowered them to feel better in their workplace, better in their home life some way. When people have a sense of group to attach to or a, a community they feel a part of, they feel significantly better about themselves. Sure, they want to, we all want to feel a part of something, right. you know? Yeah. We're humans. I mean, right. it's, we're hardwired. It's why we live in cities together and yeah. things like that. So community so, is really important. Yeah, and so like our core values are community, empowerment, and motivate. So we try to put out content that motivates people we try to have that community involvement where we're constantly reaching out to people. We will repost anybody wearing our stuff, which most brands typically only post the people with higher engagement or of celebrity status or things like that. Yeah. Um, and then we really want people to feel empowered wearing our clothing. We want them to be comfortable. We want them to enjoy the, the logo design, whatever it is on it, but we want them to have that sense of belonging, that sense of empowerment through the company. So tell me the, you know, the moment that, that, you know, you woke up one day and you're like, you know what? I think, I think we're going to, we're going to try this. You know, what was, what was the moment that, you know, the company was born and, you know, tell me about the first show that you did. Yeah. So we, we literally just did like came up with designs and stuff while we worked out and started drawing stuff on like the whiteboard in the gym and then sent it off to some logo lady a bunch of my drawings and she, she did send us back some graphics so we went back and forth for a little while and then it was it's so bad to look at but we had like five t-shirt designs for our first we went to a treasure valley tattoo convention down at quest arena at the time so century link or now it's iccu arena yeah um but we went down there and we had five designs which were now looking back i think all the same just like slightly different yeah <laughs> um and we nearly sold out of them in our first weekend and we were like damn like this could be actually something cool. And then we just didn't do anything with it because we were both busy and then both moved away. And then when I was, when I moved back and was doing lawn care, um, yeah, I, do, I would do lawn <laughs> care all day and then I'd go meet people for photo shoots and then I'd go home and do the marketing emails and pack orders and then get up the next day, sun up and go do lawn care again. Um, and about like mid fall when I started to release some hoodies and people really started gravitating towards the brand. I started seeing it places and we really started to get some messaging back like, Hey, this is really cool. Or, Hey, like, where did you come up with this? Or that those kind of receiving some of those messages back. I was like, you know, maybe this is something that could be a little bit bigger. Yeah. Um, and so when I moved to a new house out of my apartment, I decided to jump full force into it by myself. What was that like? Nervous. I mean, that's the leap of faith, yeah, right? You have, you have to be like, all right, well, 
I'm all in, mm-hmm. right? And that's a scary moment for all of us who have decided that you're going to bet on yourself yeah. pretty much is what's happening. So yeah. like how confident were you that you had something and then what did you do, you know, to make sure that you weren't going to fail? Yeah. You know, I I still and this is the perfectionist in me, but I still don't ever let myself feel like we have something. Um I'm usually never thrilled with how we do in a month. Every release we do could be better. Every content we create could be better every. um, And I think that's, you know, it's a downfall for me some in some ways, but I'm very reflective at the end of it to realize that we did accomplish something. It's just, that's my pursuit of perfection. Mm And that's my, uh, yeah, well, I think quality. there's, I think there's some, you know, there are pros and cons to that. Yeah. Like you gotta be, you want to get to a place where you're proud of yourself mm-hmm. and you're doing something and you're being successful and it's good. I have that thing too. I'm like, I can always get better. I can always be more efficient. Yeah. Like I, we, we got to make sure that our money goes, you know, farther. I got to make sure my team is, I'm um, getting the most out of my team. Mm-hmm. Like I, it doesn't matter even if we had a great month, I'm like, how could we have got 10% right. better and things yeah. like that. But you also have to be like, all right, you know what? I'm paying all my bills. Mm-hmm. We have food on the table. You know, I paid my mortgage. Like this is all good. So it's a, it's a struggle inside if you're wired that way. Cause you got to take care of yourself too, but you always want to continually get better. So I think there's some, there's some push and pull there. Yeah. But that's, that's probably been the hardest part is, is kind of letting go of the, it's okay. Like we are, we're growing, we're doing really, really well. Um, and looking back at seeing really how we're trending. And so once it was, it, when it was all me, it was very easy to be like, I need to do more of this, or I need to do more of that, or I need to do, we need to, I need to, not we, I need to switch and we need to right. go down this avenue or we need a new design. Um, and then as I've brought people on, it's been very difficult for me and, and very challenging. For, the biggest challenge for me is letting go. Yes. So letting go and letting other people do what I hired them to do at the things that I'm not good at or don't like to do um, and allowing them to to push forward to get better at what they do and then allowing them to make the mistakes that allow them to learn but don't hurt us. Nice. So correcting the ones before they happen so we don't have issues but also allowing them to make mistakes so we have these big learning lessons. Um, and so not micromanaging, not sitting over people's shoulder and, and, and allowing people to really pursue their own passions. Um, because I try to hire nobody. I, or I try to not hire anybody that doesn't really view what they're doing as a huge passion. Mm-hmm. So like what Devin does with the videography, like he loves doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what he does when he's not working. He's making videos of things that he enjoys or friends that enjoy things. And so those are the people that we try to bring on or people that their work is their passion. Yeah. Um, because it's a lot easier to motivate those type of people and, and keep them in line and give them things to do when they, when they truly enjoy it. So letting go of that, it's been another task. Yeah. It's hard to delegate, you know, Mm -hmm. everything's on your shoulders, you know, the success, huge control freak. So it's (laughs) super difficult for me. I know. But once you, once you learn, you know, the magic of delegation and you're delegating the right things that you don't like to do, right. you know, and you're, and if you have the ability, you know, to, or you have the right people to delegate the things that you don't want to do to people who like to do it, mm-hmm. that is like, that's a recipe for success. Right. You know? I mean, and that can be, that can take a lot of trial and error too. Yeah. You know? So typically when I see like teammates back in sports or, coworkers not doing to their best of their ability. It rarely had 
to do with them not knowing how to do it. In my opinion, sure. A lot of times it came from some internal happiness that they were struggling with yeah, or some sort of difficulty they were having off the court, should I say like, or off the field or out of the workplace that led to their poor workmanship or their poor play. Yeah. Um, it very rarely, once you get to a certain level is because they didn't know or aren't capable. Yeah. And so typically what I try to didn't want to, right. You try to get on their level of that. Like, why didn't you versus why didn't you do it this way versus like, what's up? Like what's going on? Why are you not being you? You're not, you're not doing what I know you can do. Right. Let's get back on. Let's make sure we're dialed in to make sure you can do the best of your ability. This is your psychology minor kicking in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, well, let's see. I want to talk, I'm always fascinated with marketing. You guys do a good job with marketing. Mm -hmm. What's your, you know, what's your mindset for, for marketing today? How are you getting your product in front of people? What kind of tools and tactics are you using? You know, you've told me before, you know, the website that you have is beautiful. You Mm -hmm. know, the marketing you do is really solid and you've had a lot of people come to you and say like, you know, you look like, you know, an international company, you know, you look like this huge company and you're not huge yet, you know, but, but you've put out you know, this content that makes people think that you're this, you know, this massive company and I, and I can see why. So like, how did you achieve that? And what's your goal for, you know, talk to me a little bit about your marketing strategy. I think our biggest marketing strategy is to always keep our content really simple and really clean. We don't do a whole lot of loud, crazy things. And when we do it's uh, people really enjoy it. We do a lot of random little funny videos and things like that. And people love that. But for the most part, we keep it really simple and clean. Um, but over the last six months, we've, we've transitioned to a lot of video, a lot of reels, getting us on TikTok more, um, getting that video content out, the shorter videos, and really just trying to stay in line with what's, what's trending, what Instagram and Facebook and TikTok are rewarding you for. How um, do you measure like what's working and what's not? You'll know. You just know? Yeah. Your, analy- you your analytics like, will tell you whether or not it's working or not. Like what analytics are important to you? Um, yeah. Likes don't matter that used to be a big thing and they really did matter at the point when they were really big, but everybody can hide them now. So they don't even fit into the algorithm really. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing we look for is the amount of impressions it has. Okay. Um, the amount of impressions and the amount of views, um, because that's truly getting it in front of people's faces. So if like people see an ad of ours and they click on it or they view it for too long, they're going to fall into a funnel where now they're going to see three to four different ads that are angled around that same similar ad. Right. And so we keep that content really simple, really clean. Um, and we'll keep hitting people with the same thing. So you don't necessarily, the first view isn't really what sells. So we get conversion details off of sales and we'll say, you know, someone came seven times over 38 days. Like how many ads do you think they saw over right. that period of right. time? Especially if they clicked on one the first time, they probably saw every single ad we have thrown at them on four different social platforms until they finally click on it. Um, and so it's just about being consistent, sure. consistent, hitting them with the videos consistently, and then making it as simple and as clean as possible. Things that are loud or, or confusing or wordy are instant scroll passes for yeah. people. So uh, how did you learn all of that? You know, how did you learn to build something that was like, all right, if if I see an ad and I click on something, all of a sudden you're going to feed me stuff in like three different platforms mm-hmm. and you know exactly what you're feeding me and things like that. That's not something that, 
that, that people know how to do like how did you learn yeah. how to do all of that because it's hard the you know, simple, people think that yeah. I'm going to do Facebook marketing or Instagram marketing they have no idea what they're doing it's hard mm-hmm. it, there's a lot to it there are algorithms to worry about and there are how much should I pay and there's there's a ton it's a it's a tough landscape to navigate so how did you learn how to do all that a lot of trial and error yeah um <laughs> yeah did you have error. you know did you did you you know did you talk to people that but were yeah. doing it well like yeah. what did you what was your play there yeah our biggest one i learned a lot just by failing and then the other thing that we did a lot of is i take a lot of advice from a lot of people i ask our videographer i ask our photographer i ask every one of our employees hey is there anything cool you i said it this morning Armenia. is there anything cool you guys saw this weekend like, do we see any cool videos? Do we see any cool trending things? Yeah. And so I'm constantly asking people that like, Hey, if you see an ad, you like screenshot it and send it to me. Cause I want to see like, if they saw it, that means they took the time that their eyes grabbed to it. So there's something on that ad that we're not, or not maybe that we are already doing, but that we could do. Right. So I think that's the biggest thing is I'm really aware. I'm going to very aware person. I, when I go to places, I see people, everybody that I know I see because I'm, very aware and so i'm constantly screenshotting ads constantly taking pictures of ads billboards when i travel things in the airport finding fonts sending nice. them to our graphic guy being like hey this font they use this font and we'll compare it to other big brands and then every morning i get on five to ten different apparel websites and try to figure out what they've changed or what they're doing differently or what are they pushing out this month or what are they, what font are they using now or yeah. what color schemes have they been pushing for the last three to six months? So this sounds like something that you really enjoy. I do. It's I really do fun, enjoy right? it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, there's fashion and I don't know what that is. Like the whole fashion shows and things like that, because to me that's gone like so far out there. I don't know what the hell they're wearing, Yeah. but I really enjoy wearing simple, clean, comfortable clothes. And so I gravitate towards that. So I'm constantly looking for simple branded clothes and that's, and that's what we are. Yeah. There's, we're the, there's probably five big brands in the tattoo apparel space and we're the only ones that don't do the loud graphic mm-hmm. tees. And yeah. it's not because I don't think they're cool. I think there's a time and place for them. It's just not what we do. Yeah. We do simple, clean, modern, crisp, simplistic looks. And that's what our customer base truly likes because they can wear them anywhere. Yeah. So how would you define your demographic and what do you do to get in front of them? Um, you know, I'd like to say our demographics, anyone, um, cause we kind of created some sub lines that, um, are not tattooed and successful based, um, right. that we have a break the mold line. We have a bet on yourself line. We have a nobody cares work harder line. Um, and so really anybody is our, our demographic, but we're in that, you know, 18 to 40 range um, people that are into streetwear and tattoos and art. Um, but we always get the people that are like, Hey, my friend had one of your shirts and I borrowed it and it was the comfiest thing I ever had. So I bought one. I don't have any tattoos though, but keep killing it. And you're like, <laughs> it's a great yeah, shirt. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. We will. So that's why we say anyone is cause we, <laughs> I feel like I get more messages from people that are like, Hey, I, I would never buy your shit, but I did versus people that truly enjoy it at this point. Like we all, we get more joke kind of replies, yeah. which is great. It, it shows that we're extremely relatable yeah. and that people truly enjoy our garment, not just the message. Well, that's the best advertising is word of mouth. Yeah. I mean, it's the purest. Yeah. And that's, know. what's been the hardest over the last two years is having no word of mouth events to go to. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your next 
Yeah. Yeah. What are you? You're starting a a gym or a fitness? What are you doing? With the <laughs> yeah. Empire Fitness. So I always wanted to open a gym when I was. Uh, I can't say always. I didn't lift the weight growing up until college. <laughs> I avoided the weight room yeah. at all costs. My it's whole heavy. Fit- Those things are heavy. Yeah. I always joked that like it was gonna mess up my shot for yeah. basketball. I was like, I can't lift. It'll mess up my shot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It'll excuse. throw me off That's for this week. Yeah. Oh, I had all the excuses. <laughs> no doubt about it. Um, but after I started getting into lifting, I always kind of saw, I, I personal trained some friends and family and things like that in my downtime. And I, I really enjoyed, um, enjoyed the progress of watching something grow and people accomplishing things. Um, that's why I enjoyed lawn care so much. I'm a very task oriented person. Sure. Same with the schedule thing. That's why that helps me a lot. Yeah. Um, and so that's why fitness has always been something really interesting and really fulfilling for me is because every workout isn't is a task completed. You feel better after it. All those types of rewarding things. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of, it was another business created during a workout. Uh, one of my best friends, Tom, uh, Tom Graff, he lives here in Boise. We were just working out one day and to be honest, we were just fucking sick of the gym we were at. Um, which is their logo is red and starts with an A. Understood. Um, and we didn't, we're just sick of the lack of attention that they give not only their customer base, but their equipment. You know, the, some of the pieces of equipment are 20 plus years old, have gone through multiple owners and have never been refinished, repainted, recovered. Yeah. Anything. They're beat to shit. Um, the only thing they did was swap them for red versus yellow when they switched companies. And there's things that they're missing and broken. And if th- something breaks, it takes a week and a half to get fixed. And, you know, it's just, we just frustrated. We're like, you know, shit, we should open a gym. Right. And I was like, yeah, that'd be kind of sick. And then I went home and I was already in the process of building the Tattoo and Successful building, which is in a flex space that has uh, 10 units in it. Um, and Tattoo and Successful has two units combined. And so there was other units. I didn't know if there was other units available. So I hit up our developer and, and came back that they had a couple of units and we were able to snag them for this gym. And then we were, oh shit, oh. like we really can do, this I, is a real thing. I guess we have to do this. Yeah, now. This is a real thing. Um, so, so we sat down for hours and kind of spitballed ideas and came up with an interesting model, um, interest, a little bit different model than most of the gyms around here. And then we came with our slogan. So we spell empire with a Y hoping people find their fit their why in life through fitness. Nice. Um, it kind of goes back to how I am with my employees as well as helping them find their passions and their why so that they can have a more fulfilling life. There you go. Um, but yeah, we, we're going to open a gym here in August. Tom and I are, it's a little bit different. We're going to try to have a little bit more of a hands-on approach. Um, all members will have programming with their membership. Um, so we, we don't want anybody in there aimlessly walking around working out. Like yeah. when you have a plan, we want you to have set goals. We want you to have areas how of growth. The, how does the plan come? Like how do they build the plan and how do they yeah. keep it in front of them? Yeah. So it's, we'll have our own app where we already have our own app. It'll download on your phone, uh, Empire Fitness, and your workouts will be loaded onto there daily. Um, we also are getting an in body so you can do your in bodies and that will load onto there every time you do it. Um, and you'll meet with a trainer once a month with your membership and you can use that either as a training session, a consult session, or as a dietitian session. All right. Um, and so you can get all the help you need and have a little bit more of a hands-on approach with people that way. I think it'll help also with like the gym organization. People won't be 
all over the place doing, you know, back buys and legs and all over the gym, right. taking up all the equipment. And so it'll keep people organized. It'll keep people motivated. It'll keep people task oriented. <laughs> so I know you're giving them a list. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so they can get through their, get through their workout to the best of their ability. And we're, we're just trying to create a really nice, clean space. Um, it's a lot of natural light, all brand new equipment, high end stuff. Um, it's going to be pretty cool. How's we're it going to be staffed? We will have probably over 10 trainers when we open. Wow. Um, over 10 trainers, two full-time front desks. Um, yeah. And we should be, you know, in the hundreds of members where we won't go into the thousands. We're, we're just not that big. We're only at 6,200 square feet. So we're not a, not a huge gym. So how are you finding trainers? We are just, we post, we're just on social media posting that we're hiring. Um, so if any trainers in Boise want a better job, they can hit us up and you're trying to get trainers to come in and have this be their full-time gig. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is, so, which is yeah, not so easy, right? Yeah. That's, that's kind of been, that's been the most rewarding thing for me as a business owner is watching, um, people get to change their lives because of their opportunity with our company, whatever that is, maybe for Tets and successful or now for empire. And so our goal for our trainers and it's in our trainer handbook is we want you to be full-time trainers only. We want people to be financially free full-time trainers. Yeah. And um, that's gotta be appealing. Yeah. And that them. is a benchmark. That is a staple in our trainer handbook. It is the biggest quote in our handbook is we want you to be financially free full-time trainers because we don't want our trainers selling memberships. We don't want our trainers pushing merch. We don't want our trainers calling people. Yeah. The only people we want them calling are their clients they have that haven't showed up for sessions. We want that type of ownership and that type of uh, accountability with our trainers. But other than that, we want them being trainers. Nobody signed up. Nobody went to school or got their training certificate to do sales calls right. or things like that. So yes. we want, we want our trainers to be financially free. I want to see our trainers getting into new homes into new cars, going on vacations with their kids or their wives or their girlfriends, going to concerts, enjoying themselves, not sitting at the desk, calling people. That sounds nice. Yeah. So our biggest thing is we're going to pay our trainers much differently than everywhere else because we want them to have that fulfilling life and, and have the all the benefits that a steady paycheck and being financially free can do for you. So are they going to be W-2 or 1099? They'll be W-2. Nice. Yep. Good for you, man. Yeah. We want, uh, we want a team atmosphere. It's what we have at Tattoo and Successful. It's what works really well in sports. Yep. Um, <laughs> so we want that kind of team team aspect. So we'll be, we want people to be employees because we want them to be bought into Empire. So let me ask you this. Uh, you you said you played for a lot of coaches that you didn't like playing for. Mm -hmm. And now you are essentially the coach, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. What kind of leader are you? Yeah. That's an interesting question. Never been asked that. Um, I'm very hands-on leader. I don't typically wait for um, people to come to me with problems. I like to seek them out. I like to get in front of things. I like to possibly over-communicate. Good. Um, Thank I, you. Yeah. That solves so many problems. Yeah. Right? I, I usually say that to people when they come to us or come to me with an issue is like, could we fix this with better communication? And like 99 out of 100 times it's a, yeah, I know. Thank you. Um, so that, that's our, that's probably the biggest thing that I do as a leader is oh, we have tons of different group chats. 
so nothing gets left out. Um, we always try to make sure we have a Monday meeting, even though even if it doesn't have anything to do with it, because we want we want that type of open communication. Even if it's a how was your weekend, let's all get on the same page. Let's get to work this week. Nice. Um, we do those things. So that's the type of leader I am. How we, do you motivate people? I like to find out what they're passionate about. You know, um, find out what their passions are and, and encourage them to chase those just as much as they as much as they work for us. Awesome. Yeah. So you come from a long line of entrepreneurs, like in your yeah. family, right? So yeah. I know, tell me about, I think you had a relationship with your grandfather or you mentioned something mm-hmm. about him. And I'm just curious how, what kind of influence he had in your life. Yeah. So a lot of my family thinks I'm like the second coming of him. Apparently I, I, I think he died when I was seven or eight. Um, but he was a early inventor. He was a world war two pilot. And then he invented the backup alarm on the car on the like construction. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. So the B B B thing. Yeah. He invented that and was selling them out of the back of his car, believe it or not. And then he also invented like the retractable phone cord right? and some other things, some other little knickknack type things. Um, and then my dad bought that company from him and turned it into uh, collision mitigation for heavy machinery. So cats, garbage trucks, huge machines. Um, it uses radar to detect objects to avoid collisions. Yeah. Um, really popular on buses overseas. Um, cause that's becoming a huge thing and it'll get into automated driving, but we, there, he sold that company two years ago. Okay. Um, but yeah, both of them were entrepreneurs owned multiple companies. My dad owned a, uh, tech company here in Boise called SEP global technologies. Um, it was a supplier for Micron Intel, all those companies. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think that I had a choice. I think it was in my blood to yeah. start something on my own, um, or to take over the family, which that didn't end up working out. But yeah, I, I thought it was so cool when I was a little kid that my grandpa invented stuff that I started doing like little invention shows and invented some corny things growing yes. up, which actually turned out to two of the, or all three of the ones that I won with all our products now. Like give me one. Um, one was a coaster that kept your drink cold. Oh, nice. Yeah. The other one was a, a stopper that went on the end of your pepper grinder. Okay. Which now those come like standard on it. So it yeah. doesn't get on the counter cause they never used to come with that. Right. And then the third one was a dog house that had bristles on the side of it and brushed your dog every time. And those are in sharper image. Oh my God. Yeah. So all three that I got that I won with ended up being products. So That's it's kind amazing. of kind of funny. I was like eight and nine years old. Doing these science ahead of your time. Yeah. Doing these science convention things. But yeah, it was pretty cool. It was, it was a pretty cool experience. I'll never forget being in elementary school and he came to it and swung by and he didn't, he didn't really come to anything that I remember. Um, but yeah, he came by and saw the, saw the invention and like was there when I got first place and stuff. So that was a pretty cool thing to have your, yeah, to have your grandfather there that invented something that's significantly more influential than, than a pepper stopper. <laughs> but well, yeah. what do, uh, God, well, so your gym is going to open July, August. When is that? Early coming? August. Early, early August. August. Yeah. We, right. yeah. We, once we get our certificate of occupancy, we will open the doors. So how are you going to run? Like, just walk me through what you think the next few years look like for you running, you know, two businesses. Are they going to get like 50, 50 as far as time goes? Like what's, what's yeah. your, how, how are you going to do so all this? So the, 
I can't believe I get the opportunity. I'm I'm honestly just super grateful for the opportunity I'm going to have to be able to run two companies at once. Yeah. Nonetheless, I get to operate them next to each other. Like I, I don't. I nobody gets this shit. I'm right. so grateful, so excited for what the what the next couple of years is going to bring. But um, you know what? I'll probably spend most of my mornings working tattoo and successful. I typically tr- I'm very ritual. I train at, at two o'clock. Um, after I train, I will probably go work the gym for the rest of the day after yeah, that. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, that'll probably be my, probably be 60-40 still TNS gym. Um, the nice thing about the gym is I have a, a partner in that. Yeah. Um, so he will be doing more of the day-to-day, and I will be handling more of the managerial type of stuff. But I'm ex- I'm really excited, man. I think we have a tremendous opportunity where we're located off of Victory Meridian. Mm-hmm. There's so much growth so out in South growth. Boise, North Cuna, whatever you want to, South Meridian, whatever you want to call that pocket right, right there. Um, so we're, we're really excited for the opportunity to open a new gym in that area. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, well, hey, man, I'm out of questions. Hey, I appreciate it. Dude, you're doing some really cool stuff right now. And I think the body of work that you collected before you started all this mm-hmm. obviously played a role in your success today. I think yeah. you're, I think you're, mi- you're really mindful in the stuff that you learned. I think you're open to learning and I think you're a lifelong learner and like you're, you're the decisions you're making and the things you're deploying, you're putting a lot of thought into. I think you're smart about it. The way that you lead your team, I think will get great response from the people that work for you. So I just think you're doing a lot of really cool things and I think you're doing it right. So thank you. I appreciate you coming in and sharing your story and tell me, tell us how uh, we can all find you. Yeah, so uh, Instagram's easiest. It's just Zach J. Pete, Z-A-C-H-J, and then P-E-T-E. All right. That's the easiest. I'm on Facebook, Zach Peterson. And then uh, Tattooed and Successful is at Tattooed and Successful Co. Okay. On IG, and then TattooedandSuccessful.com. There you go. And Empire Fitness will be EmpireFitness.com, and the IG is Empire Fitness, Empire underscore Fitness. Nice. Yeah. All right. Enough IG names. It's hard to remember all I of them. Know, so much crap. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you so much for coming in, yeah. sharing your story. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Hi, right, buddy. There you go. Thank you, Zach, so much for coming on and sharing your story. You've just helped a ton of people understand really what it takes and um, what kind of drive it takes, what kind of work really needs to be put in. And I just appreciate you coming in and, and spending some time with me. My name is Matt. This is none of my business. You can find me all over the place. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Deets Agency. My blog is DeetsAgency.com. You know, reach out to me, say hello. And if you want to be on the show or you know anyone that's got a good story to share, hit me up. Let's tell your story. Thank you so much for listening. Keep up the good work.